Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. You have your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 131. We are wrapping up a series called All the Feels. Has this been helpful to anybody? Have you enjoyed the last six or seven weeks? We've talked about feelings, nothing more than feelings. How many like my singing ability? I told Rachel that I was singing in the house, and man, I was just belting it out. How many when you're at home or maybe you're driving in the car, you really, you let it go? No shame in your game. Come on. I was singing at the house so loud and strong. I I was kind of feeling good about myself. I said, Rachel, you like my singing? She said, baby, I like your preaching. I'm like, no, no, no. I said, do you like my singing? She said, stick to preaching. (laughs) We've talked about a number of different feelings, and I know there are are tons of things that we haven't addressed. We've had about five or six weeks to talk about anger. We've talked about fear. We've talked about sadness. We've talked about loneliness. Um, I don't know. What else have we talked about? We've talked about a number of things, but we're wrapping it up today. And today, you may not shout me down today. All right, that's okay. I'm preparing for it to be a little quiet. But we're going to talk about pride today. Okay, somebody excited to talk about pride. Um, You know, pride is one of those, well, okay, we'll we'll get into just a second. Psalm 131, as you're turning there, um, let me, I, I I was studying this week and I thought this was interesting to note because the baseline of each installment of this series on feelings, we said, Feelings are gauges, but they're not guides. They're gauges. You, you can't control how you feel, but you certainly must take responsibility of what to do with that feeling. And I thought about, you know, how, how pilots, when they are taught, when they are trained to fly, when they go through flight school, one of the things that pilots are taught to deal with is a condition called vertigo. How many know what I'm talking about? How many have ever struggled with vertigo, experienced that you know, we had this dizziness, this disorientation, maybe the equilibrium in your ear, it's a little off, and so sometimes you could kind of feel out of sorts. It's one thing to struggle with vertigo on the ground, but it's another thing to be a pilot and have vertigo at 38,000 feet. How many know what I'm talking about? So through their training, these pilots are taught to address vertigo because when they're flying at night, when they're going through clouds or going through a storm, or maybe there's zero visibility, the pilot can't simply lean on how he feels. A pilot has to trust his instrument panel. He's got to trust the instruments in front of him. He can't, he can't lean on what he sees, what he experiences, or what he feels. Because sometimes when you experience vertigo, up really, what, what really feels like you're going up is actually taking you down. And so they're taught you've got to trust your instrument panel. Don't go by what you feel. And can I tell you this, church? And a lot of times feelings will come and go, and you can't always trust those feelings, but you can trust your instruments. God's Word is the instrument panel. And so you, your feelings may come in, and, you, you know, you, and they may tell you certain things, but God's Word is consistent. 
How many know God's word will not lie? God's word is true. And we live in a culture where sometimes feelings and emotions run wild. Everybody does what they feel. They they shape truth based on how they feel. But I want to encourage you, even if we haven't addressed the specific feeling that you wish we would have, trust your instrument panel. In Psalm 131, this is one of the Psalms of Ascent. Psalms of Ascent. I don't know if you've heard that phrase or not, but out of 150 Psalms, there's about 14 or 15 that are called the Psalms of Ascent, ascending. Literally, Jerusalem is built up on a hill. It's a city on a hill. How many of that sounds familiar? City on a hill. The elevation of Jerusalem is higher. I know when we went back in November and we saw the holy city, it was was just breathtaking to be able to enter into the city and you see it as it's positioned up on the hill. Well, Psalm 120 to about Psalm 134, those are known as the Psalms of Ascent. And literally, as Jews would make their pilgrimage to Jerusalem, there were certain holy feasts or festivals that they would recognize, and they would travel from all over the region, and they would worship at Jerusalem. In their journey, as they ascended the hill of Jerusalem, they would sing these songs. So these psalms were actually songs that were sung by those who were going to Jerusalem to worship. In fact, ancient tradition tells us that Jewish priests, when they would enter, they would walk up the steps into the holy temple, they would sing these psalms, Psalm 120 to about Psalm 134. It's interesting because it made me think of, you know, when we were there several months ago, and I walked up the southern steps that led to the temple those steps are really uneven. They're not cut in uniform. You know how we'll climb a flight of stairs and we'll, we'll just pop, 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 and won't think anything of it. You can't do that on the southern steps leading into the temple because they're cut uneven. Some of them are narrow, some of them are wide, and they built it that way on purpose so that when you entered the presence of God, you didn't enter into nonchalant, but you were very careful. You had to put your head down and watch where you were going. There was a reverence. There was a sense of humility when you would enter into the presence of God. This psalm, Psalm 131, was a psalm that was penned by David. Uh, this is, it was penned, he wrote these, these words kind of in the gap years of his life. And what I mean by that is this. Many of you know that, that David was anointed to be king by Samuel. The prophet Samuel anointed David when David was maybe 16, 17 years of age. But David didn't actually become king until he was 30 years old. So there was a gap from the time that he was anointed, and then he served in the court of Saul for a number of years until the time he was actually positioned on the throne as the king of Israel. Now, let me stop right here and say this, because I think this addresses many of us here today. Some of you feel like God has given you a promise. God's spoken something specifically to you about what you're supposed to do, about where you will be. You see it in the eyes of your spirit, but you're not there yet. How do you act in the in-between times, in those gap years? This was that transitional time as David is serving in the court of Saul. Yet Saul and all of his followers, they felt like David was pursuing the throne out of pride, out of selfish ambition. They were suspicious of his motives. Yet what we see in this psalm is the exact opposite. David was patient. He was humble. He honored authority. I think it's interesting to note this. Before David could ascend to the throne, 
He had to descend into humility. Nod your head if you're with me. Some of you are praying and believing that God will bring you to the next level. And I'm, I'm believing that with you. I, I think God wants to, he wants to lift you. He, he wants to raise you. But before you can go up, you first got to go down. There's something to learn in that descent toward humility. But before there's exaltation, there's humiliation. There's the work of God that teaches us how to be humble. David wrote these words in Psalm 131. Read this with me. Just three simple verses. Three simple verses to this song. He says, verse 1, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Now, notice the words that we've highlighted there. He speaks of his heart, he speaks of his eyes, and he speaks of his grip or his understanding. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. The first thing I want you to see right off the bat is this. Number one, pride will infect every area of your life. It's interesting how just a little, it starts, he said, my heart. Then he talked about his eyes. Then he talked about his understanding. Your heart is how you think of yourself. Your eyes, it's what you see in others. Your understanding is what you think you deserve. Irony, the irony of pride is this. I want you to pay attention to this. The irony of pride is this. I can see it in you, but I don't notice it in me. Come on now. I mean, it's easy to detect arrogance in somebody else. But it's hard for you to see it in yourself. David said, my heart is not, is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters that are too great. In other words, I want to protect myself from head to toe. Because a little bit of seed of pride has a way of just spreading throughout your entire understanding. I can see pride in some. Hear somebody talking and be like, pfft. That guy's so cocky. You know, you watch a sporting event, and then there's kind of that interview afterwards. And think, come on, dude. Give credit to the team. It wasn't all about you. Man, we can smell pride from a mile away. But it's hard for us to see it in ourselves. It's quiet in here. Turn on the TV. May you see that TV preacher. God, just all into himself. You know, but, but we don't notice when we look in the mirror that maybe the exact same thing. Come on now. Okay, let, let me let Jesus say it better than I am. Look at Matthew 7. Jesus said it this way. Why worry about a speck? Little splinter. Why are you worried about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a big old log Big old redwood forest upside your head. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? Mm-mm-mm. Pride, I can see it in you, but I don't recognize it in me. You know, the other day, and, and my kids, they're kind of funny about this because one of the things that really grates on their nerves, I mean, they just cringe. We're sitting at the dinner table, everybody's eating, and when somebody's like, kind of smack, how many of that, that just grosses you out? 
Yeah, and so we're trying to really regulate that in the Haman household. Hey, listen, manners, slow down. Chew your food. Chew with your mouth shut. And so they're going back and forth. Oh, dad, you're smacking, yeah, smacking back and forth. And so I had to correct one of them the other day. I said, listen now, come on. You're not a bunch of wild. Be respectful, man. Be gracious. You're taught better than that. Well, it was like the next day or two later, Trevor, he calls me out. He's like, dad, you're smacking. I'm like, no, I'm not. Babe, am I smacking? She's like, you were smacking. Oh. It's easy for me to call it out in them. It's hard for me to see it myself. Pride has a way of being blind to its own issues, but it fixates on the issues of others. Are you with me? It has a way of infecting every area of your life. In fact, I'll say it this way. The better you know yourself, the less prideful you'll be. Sometimes we just don't know ourselves. And all it takes is God to shine a little light on us. All of a sudden, we see things now. That's why worship in the presence of God is so important. Because as we're lifting our focus off of us, we're setting our eyes on Jesus. And then Jesus begins to talk to us about areas in our lives that we need to change. It's, I, I could quickly criticize anything and everything around me. But then I'm forgetting, wait a second, I got my own issues right here. You see, humility recognizes, well, I want you to see this. Humility is not denying your strengths, but it's being honest about your weaknesses. Did you catch that? You see, there, there's something about honesty that builds humility. When, when you're honest, and, and hopefully on Sundays when we come to church, this is not a zone where you fake it till you make it. You're not trying to impress anybody or, or fake anybody out. How many know you're not fooling anybody? Maybe you're fooling yourself, but you're sure not fooling God. And your kids know all about your issues. Yeah, we've got blind spots to our own issues. One thing that we hope that when you experience the presence of God here, there's a level of authenticity. And when you're honest before God, honesty builds humility. But self-deception creates self-destruction. Well, you didn't like that one either. Okay. I want you to write down the word PRIDE. Put it in all capital letters, okay? P-R-I-D-E. Write that down somewhere. I want you to look at it. Notice what's right in the middle of pride. Yes! Right there, smack in the middle of that word. Pride is an issue. It is a challenge. And guess where it starts? It starts right here. You ever notice that? Yeah, the, the center of the universe. Sometimes we live our lives in such a way where we say, I am the sun. And every planet in the universe orbits around me. That's kind of my default. I wake up, I think about myself. I don't have to work hard at it. It kind of comes second nature to me. I wake up, I think about me. I talk about me. I'm making plans for me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't have to work hard at this. It just kind of comes effortless. It is my go-to. I think about myself. I wonder if anybody else is thinking about me. So I check Instagram to see if they're thinking about me. <laughs> oh, I didn't get the comments, man. They're not thinking about me. I need to post a little bit better next time because I'm thinking about me. I want you to think about me too. <laughs> Come on now. Can I talk about social media? Yes. And I love it. I do. But it can be so narcissistic. 
It can be so self-centered. It's what about me? What about me? What, what do you think about me here? What do you think about when I did this? What about when I said that me, 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 me? Well, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think about me? I mean, and, and this has plagued humanity from the very beginning of time. I can remember about, oh, 10 years ago, we were hosting a conference, and I was responsible to host one of the out-of-town pastors. And we got great pastors representing a, a large churches from all over the country. And so I was, I think, the youth pastor at the time, and so I was given an assignment to host one of these out-of-town guys. And so, man, I want to make sure I got it right. I mean, and so, you know, I, I was the errand boy. I was no longer Pastor Mike. That weekend, I was errand boy Mike. Run, do this. Run, get me that. And the, the guy that I was hosting, and bless his heart, but, man, he was really high maintenance. How many of you got some high maintenance people in your life? Don't point at anybody in here. Okay, wow, it's going to be like this this week. All right. Here we go. I had to shift gears, and every little thing, man, was running me back and forth. And, man, about three days into this, I'm like, oh, Jesus. And you know what I felt God say to me? He said, Mike, this is good for you. I'm like, what? What do you mean? This is good for you to see. It's good for you to serve somebody else. Make a note. And in this moment, God was beginning to teach me. I said, okay, Lord, if you ever bless me and promote me to the next level... I want to be entitled to nothing but willing to do anything. Entitled to nothing. You see, the, the idea of being a pastor, pastor is not a title. Pastor is a calling and a responsibility to serve others. Just so you know, I don't have a parking spot that has my name on it. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those who do. But I thank God for health and strength that he's given me in my legs. And so you know what I do on Sundays? I get here early, and I park all the way out in the back 40. And I walk into church. And it's just my commitment, what I felt the Lord has called me, Mike, don't make yourself bigger than somebody else. If you're too big to set up the stage, then you're too small to stand on it. Come on, somebody. Entitled to nothing, willing to do anything. You see, pride has a way of just, it starts in your heart. It, it creeps to your eyes. It, it affects your understanding and every area of your life. Listen, if pride can turn the devil or can turn an angel into the devil, come on now. If pride can turn an angel into the devil, what do you think it can do in your life? I mean, what was it that got Lucifer kicked out of heaven? Pride. Guess what? Pride can kick the heaven out of you. Mm -mm 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 -mm. All right, moving right along. Verse 2, David says, instead, instead, I have quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Now, interesting picture David paints here. He talks about pride when he says the heart, the eyes, and the understanding. Then he brings in this picture of a weaned child. He says, I have calmed and quieted myself. I'm not like a baby, but I have grown up. The second thing I want you to see is this. Humility is a sign of maturity. Humility is a sign of maturity. Pride indicates you just haven't grown up in that area of your life. 
But humility is a resemblance of a child that is gaining his independence. Now, here's the, the irony. I love this. Babies are, are so cute. I mean, I, there was, in between services, I saw several babies. I mean, I, I love babies. They're so cute. They're precious. They're sweet. But how many know babies are selfish? Babies are so, yeah. There's a mama that hadn't slept in six months. <laughs> babies think the world revolves around them, right? Babies are some of the most entitled creatures on the planet. Now, never will I ever walk up to a stroller and say, oh, my, look at that pre- pre- precious little sweet little ball of selfishness. <laughs> but it's true. One little cry, and they want you to jump to their attention, Right? You got, and it's up to you to decipher. You got to figure out, is it a wet diaper? Is it a hunger pain? Is it what, what, there's something going on here. And babies, they live to be served. But how many know if you got a 15-year-old at the house and he says, Dad, I'm hungry. You got the refrigerator. There's the pantry. Figure it out, boy. Come on, help me know what I'm talking about. You're 15 years old. My kid's coming to me. Dad, I'm hungry. What do I tell him? Go find your mama. <laughs> That's what I do. Maybe she can make you a sandwich or something. I don't know. You see, when, when, when they're infants and they're helpless, they're totally dependent upon us. But as they grow older, our responsibility is to equip them to be independent. And we say, wait a second, I love you, but it's not about you. Can I have a better amen? <laughs> the baby says, you exist to meet all my needs. But a parent will one day say, Now go clean your room yourself. And you know what? It takes our entire lives to learn this principle. It's amazing to me how even in our 30s and 40s and 50s, sometimes we live in such a way that we think life is about us. Can I tell you, when you live that way, life becomes very difficult. And just so you know, people don't want to be around you. Now your your so-called friends are not going to tell you this, but they called me to tell you (laughs) that you need to stop being so selfish and don't make it about you. You know, when I was in college, about my sophomore, junior year, I really felt God begin to stir in my heart as it relates to the ministry. And I didn't have any formal training. In fact, I came through a very difficult church experience in high school and uh, wounded in the church, and I know many of you have, you've got a similar story too. Highly disappointed in church leadership. I didn't trust pastors. I I didn't. I went through a season where I just said, I don't trust preachers. Now, I always loved God, but I was very disengaged and disenfranchised as it relates to the church, to the point where I said, I will never preach the gospel. (laughs) Don't you know God has a sense of humor? About my sophomore year, I began to feel God just stirring in my heart. Here I was playing basketball, and you know, I was studying computer science. and man, But God was doing this. Thing. I was leading a Bible study with some of the guys on the team, and I really felt this passion for the word and, and a love for people. And I thought, man, I, I don't know what to do with this. And so I called the only pastor that I trusted at the time, and that was my youth pastor, Dino Rizzo. And I called Dino. I'm like, Dino, look, I'm going to have a degree in computer science. Man, I played ball my whole life 
but yet I feel God drawing me into ministry. What should I do? He said, well, we're starting a church. This was 25 years ago. He said, we're starting a church in South Baton Rouge, a healing place for a hurting world. I said, man, that just felt like home. He said, hey, I tell you what, next time you're in town, when, when you're coming in town next, I said, well, we have the weekend off. Coach has given us a weekend, so I'll be home. He says, okay, Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, come meet me at my house. I was like, yes, the pastor wants to meet me at his place Saturday morning. Saturday morning rolled around, showed up, knocked on his door, 8 o'clock, knocked on his door, got my KJV, got my Bible in my arm, thinking, man, he recognizes the call of God on my life. He, he, maybe he wants me to preach this Sunday. He knows I got, I got the goods. He knows I can talk. I can get up in front of people. I can share the scriptures. Man, he sees the gifting on my life. Knocked on the door. Kept knocking. I'm like, man, 8 o'clock. He told me it's Saturday. Now, finally, 10 minutes later, he opens the door. Man, he, I think I woke him up. Hair was everywhere. He's like, oh, oh, oh. Oh, yeah, look, there's, there's my lawnmower, there's the gas can, there's my weed eater. When you finish cutting the grass, come let me know. Shut the door. I was like, <laughs> what about the call of God on my life? You see, listen, Pastor Dino knew 25 years ago, I may have had a gift, but I didn't have humility. What was he trying to teach me? He was trying to tell me, boy... Life's not about you. Ministry is not about you. The blessing that's on you is not just for you. Can I have a better amen? It's amazing to me how sometimes we recognize that, we know that, but yet our experience is very different, and God's saying it's time for you to grow up. Because, let me just ask you this question. How many of you, you're here today, and you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? He's in your heart. Yeah, in your heart. Praise God. Thank you. Well, guess what? Sometimes we come to church and we think, well, the church is here to serve me. But if you have Jesus in your heart, man, we're a part of a spiritual family. Church is not about you. It's about those who are not yet here. And so we make decisions for those who are not yet here so they can be a part. Are you with me? Because we live in a culture that is so inoculated with self. The disease of self, it has reached epidemic proportions. And so there's one discovery, a recent discovery, and I want you to see this. Turn your attention to the screen. There's a recent discovery that I think could help a lot of people when it comes to pride. Check this out. Two illnesses that have reached epidemic proportion today are pridefulitis and opinionation. And many have lost hope. Symptoms include hearing loss, anger, the urge to debate, and delusions of not needing directions. I see pridefulitis every day in my practice. It destroys friendships, marriages, and careers. Sufferers can find it impossible for any advice or helpful input. But now there's hope. Introducing Humilify. After just a few days on Humilify, I was actually able to hear my spouse again. Humilify saved my marriage. I suffered from full-blown, nag-resistant pridefulitis. Humilify completely cured my hearing and my vision. Humilify gave me hope. Humilify has also been shown to be effective against other diseases, like I'm the victimitis, get off my caseus, and I know best of you. Exercise caution. Side effects include sincere apologies, attentive listening, 
and the realization that other people are intelligent. Make the decision that will change your life. Try Humilify today. Humilify. Isn't it time you swallowed your pride? Come on, come on, put your hands together. <laughs> oh, get off my caseus. <laughs> I love it. How many of you know somebody right now who needs a prescription? Come on, somebody. Don't you wish humility was as simple as taking a pill? But you know what? The Bible, the Bible never says to pray for humility. The Bible never says you'll receive humility. You know what the Scripture says? Humble yourself. 1 Peter 5, I want you to see this. The Bible says God gives grace to the humble, but he does what to the proud? He resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble, and he resists the proud. Therefore, humble yourself. There it is right there. There's a prescription. Say, Mike, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? The Scripture makes it very plain. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and what's going to happen? He will exalt you in due time. Somebody say, in due time. In other words, our responsibility is to humble ourselves before the Lord. God's responsibility is to lift us up when he knows that we're ready. Oh, come on. Why am I happier about this than you are? You see, humility is our responsibility when we present ourselves to the Lord. And when, when it comes to promotion, when it comes to increase, when it comes to lifting us up, that's his job. You see, humility will ask questions, but pride has all the answers. Mm, 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 mm. Pride walks into a room and says, here I am. Humility walks into the room and says, hey, how are you? What's going on in your world? Humility listens more than it speaks, but pride always has to hear itself talk. Went to lunch with a group of preachers the other day. Man, when you get preachers together, man, everybody's everybody's talking. And I'm, I'm encouraged by the testimonies of what I hear God doing in other churches. But sometimes it's always about show and tell, showing off and telling other people. Show. And you know what God spoke to me? In that lunch, he said, Mike, don't say a word about the church. Don't talk about healing plays. Don't say anything about what's going on unless someone asks you. Can I tell you, that was a quiet lunch for me. <laughs> Nobody asked me. And so I didn't say a thing. You see, humility apologizes when it messes up. But pride has a hard time saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm sorry. Say, I was wrong. Oh, doesn't it feel good to say that? Some of you have been needing to say that. You just hadn't said it to the right person. You know, when you're arguing with your spouse... How many has ever had conflict in a marriage? Okay, let's use a little nicer terminology. When you have intense fellowship, <laughs> I, I, just try this on for size, okay? J just a thought. It may be good the next time you and your spouse are having intense fellowship, say this phrase, you know, babe, you could be right. You could, you, you, you. <laughs> Somebody got set free right here in this section. It's good to go ahead and say, you know what, babe? I might be wrong about that. I mean, just try it. Just try it.
But whatever you do in an argument with your spouse, don't quote your pastor, okay? Um, <laughs> humility is quick to forgive, but pride re remembers the mistakes of others. L let me say it this way. Be humble or you'll stumble. Be humble or you'll stumble. If you get too big for your britches, you'll be exposed in the end. I didn't even say that in the first service. I'm glad. I hope I'm not in trouble. How many know Rachel keeps me humble? See, it's your job to keep me encouraged. She'll keep me humble. All right, let me wrap this up. Wrap this up. Finally, the last verse. David says this. Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. Here's the third thing I want you to see. and Perhaps one of the most important. I'm going to ask the band to come up and we'll, we'll wrap this up. Number three, humility is the key. Humility is the key to unlocking everything God has for you. Humility is that key. I'm going to tell you, church, God is a good father, and he's got great things that he wants to give you, things that you need. There are things that you've prayed for that God wants to give you. Humility is the doorway that allows God's gifts to come to us. I want you to see this. The, the posture of humility, focus on this just for a second. I want you to watch me. The posture of humility is this right here. Just getting right here on your knees. Now, this is an outward expression. I'm not talking about false humility. But in sincerity, this is an outward expression of an inward condition. When you bow your knee you're recognizing that there is an authority that's greater. I'm submitted to a power that's greater than me. You see, pride will never let you bow your heart or bend your knee. won't happen. I remember several, uh, I guess this was probably maybe 10 years ago now, I was speaking at a conference with a bunch of college students right outside of Atlanta. Brand new place. Place was packed. I'd never been there before. They didn't know me. I didn't know them. But during worship, I sensed the Lord tell me. He said, Mike, get on your face. Get on your face right now. I'm like, Lord, what do you, I don't, I don't know if that's okay here. I mean, I don't know how they're going to interpret that. I mean, it may be a little weird, maybe a little awkward. And I felt the Lord compelling me, get on your face. How many ever had a debate with God in your mind? I'm like, no, no, Lord. You, you, God, come here. See, you don't really understand. I mean, these are college kids, and I got there's that cool factor, and I got to win them over, and I, let me just help you. I'm helping you, God. I mean, no, God doesn't need our help. You see, I'm telling you, pride has the audacity to say to God, I know better than you on this one. Tell you. That's why God, it stinks in the nostrils of the Lord. There's only one thing God can do with pride. Break it down. He said, Mike, get on your face. And so you know what? Kind of awkward. But I thought, okay, I'm just going to get right here on my knees. I'm just going to bow before the Lord. God, I'm, just, I'm obeying you. I don't understand. You know, you don't have to understand everything to obey God. You just do what he's told you to do. You let God take care of the rest. And I don't know what it meant. It wasn't for show, but it was just out of obedience in my heart to humble myself before God. And then the thought hit me. Every person who ever found themselves at the feet of Jesus got exactly what they needed. Think about it. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. 
Remember, 12 years she had struggled with this sickness and tried to get help from doctors, and the Bible says she didn't get better. In fact, she grew worse. But she heard Jesus was coming, and, and, and as he walked through her village, she pressed her way through the crowd, and she reached out. She did what? She touched. Where did she touch Jesus? The hem of his garment. Where is that? That's at the bottom. She placed herself at his feet. And the Bible says in that instant, healing virtue flowed. She went as low as she could go. She couldn't go any lower. She was desperate for healing. And Jesus said, wait, who touched me? Who touched me? All the disciples were like, man, everybody's touching you. No, no, no. This was a different touch. There was humility involved. She got what she needed. Remember the woman caught in the very act of adultery? How embarrassing is that? No excuse, no alibis. She had nothing but guilt that the religious leaders flung her at the feet of Jesus right where she belonged. Jesus writes down in the sand, and they're all trying to judge and criticize, and Jesus says these famous words, okay, you want to stone her, go ahead. But you that are without this sin, throw the first stone. All of her accusers are gone. What does she need in that moment? She, she deserved condemnation. What she got was grace. It's exactly what she needed. Where did she find it? At his feet. She found it at his feet. Remember the man from Gadarene who was possessed with devils. The whole town didn't know what to do with him. And back those dark spirits, when Jesus came by, those dark spirits, they threw him down right there at the feet of Jesus. Here's the power and the authority of Jesus and the desperate situation of this man in darkness. What happened? Every dark, demonic spirit was gone. See, some of you, you need freedom. Some of you need forgiveness. Some of you need healing. But all of you need grace. Whatever it is that you need, humble yourself. Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself even further and became obedient unto death, even the death on a cross. Can I tell you, that's humility. But the Bible says, wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things of heaven, of things on earth, and of things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, humiliation first, exaltation next. Because Jesus humbled himself, God said, I'll bring him to the highest of the highs. There's a throne that he will sit upon, and he'll be at my right. And I'm telling you, if you and I will embrace humility, there is no limit to what God can do through us. Do you receive that today? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org. Or give us a call at 225-753-2273.